Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Realms of peril and glory will begin. After these short messages, we'd like to thank our patrons, Leroy Cassidy, Jennifer Mayer, and Micah Cartwright for their support in making this series possible. If you'd like to join them and get ad-free listening, bonus shows, and a lot more, then please go head over to patreon.com slash lightandtragic. It's the absolute best way to support the show, and you get a lot of really good perks for doing it. Again, that's patreon.com slash lightandtragic. This is Making the Game, Realms of Peril and Glory's interview show. This week we're interviewing Shamini Bundell. You might know her from her work with RP Geeks and also in upcoming series of Liminal for Realms of Peril and Glory. Enjoy! Welcome one and welcome all back to Realms of Peril and Glory. Thank you so much for being here today. I am here with an incredible member of the actual play community. Please, Shamini, could you introduce yourself? Oh, darn, yes. Um, well, my name is Shamini, as you've mentioned. Uh, I see her. I'm, yeah, I'm doing a lot of TTRPG stuff, streams. Mm-hmm. Um, in my normal, like, day job, I do science <laughs> journalism. Um, it's a whole other thing. Yeah, that, that's a other, whole thing. I have a whole other side thing where I'm like trying to write a musical and I'm really into music. Oh, that's a whole other thing. Well, no, no, that's not relevant. Um, I'll ask just... you about that after the fact because <laughs> yeah, yeah. that sounds fun. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think of things to introduce myself with. Yeah, that'll do. Is <laughs> <laughs> that too much? You no, it's much. brilliant. <laughs> so our audience would probably know you from uh, RP Geeks. Uh, and you will be, we can say you will be appearing what? What? on Realms of Peril and Glory. Oh, big reveal! Big ah! reveal! Oh my gosh. Relatively soon. Uh, in, in Do you want to tell the people roughly about what we did? I mean, not giving away I too much, but a little bit. I had such a good time. So I got <laughs> I got a message from Zach saying, come play with us. And I was like, what is this? What is this? What is this liminal you? that we're doing? We're playing a game yeah. called Liminal, and I was like, who are these people? What is this liminal? Um, and it was in person, which is which was oh so nice because I do mm. I, I love the ability to um stream and record and everything from home and, and play games from home. So good and like I'm I appreciate that we've kind of all like discovered that and been able to hold on to it. Mm. But especially with meeting new people for the first time, yes. it was so nice. Um, so we were yeah. all meeting up in person. I know. And um, eating pizza and recording a podcast. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that the game Liminal was awesome. Um, and the players were awesome. Yes. I'm like so awesome. I was like, yeah. oh my God. I had such a good time. I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm very excited for this, um, for that that podcast to come out. I'm really excited for people to hear it because I think I think all of us after we left that recording, we're just like, that just, was pretty good. It really worked. It, you know, sometimes and like sometimes everything comes together and you can't like, yeah. you can't guarantee it and you can't plan it. No, but the character and like I felt, I felt like I did a good job, and then you everyone did. else, I was like. Oh, everyone's awesome. And then the relationships kind of went really well. And like your story was really good. Everything just 
fell into place nicely. And it was just one of those times we were just like, yes. I cannot wait for people to to hear it. Uh, that will be coming. I mean, I'll give a little. Your series will be arriving at the top of 2023 next year. Yeah, uh, so I'm kind of like guesting on this sort of like ongoing adventure with these awesome, awesome characters. Who then, yes. Who then I get to like just come in and be like, hi, I'm here. Mess shit up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazing. So let's talk a bit about you and not about, about us. Let's talk about you. So how did you first find D&D and and role-playing games in general because it feels like everyone's got a different path i'm i'm one of these like relative newbies to it in this sort Mm -hmm. of like recent wave of like oh my god this is a thing me too and like why where what was i doing with my life like (laughs) wasting it not playing not pretending like a fool like when i was when i was little like playing like make believe games and creating yeah, stories yeah. was like the most it was epic the best thing. thing. It was the yes. absolute best. And like the stories that happened through like essentially improvising them while playing a role were yeah. always like so so much more awesome than you could ever yes. either remember or describe or explain or try and write down. And you're like, why was it so good again? Oh no, but it was um, it, it was, was really good. It was bit. great. I can't. Oh, I can't quite like. And you could it, never write it down. You can't. Yeah, you can't capture it like a butterfly. You can't like stab it. Not that's sorry. It's getting violently <laughs> um, etymological. Um, entomological. <laughs> mix up. Bugs. Um, sorry. Come hit me. No harm to butterflies. I'm sorry. Um, I love butterflies. I don't stab them. Oh god. Um, what was I? I like. I like yeah. finding D and D and yeah, role yeah, playing right. games. So TTPGs. Oh, and then I did theatre. So I mentioned. I mentioned. We were like, all little performers. Exactly. So then Liz you've got Campbell, the- who you played with, has coined yeah. the term that our group of people, we're all just little theater performers. We're all little performers. That's why we do role playing games, because we're all little performers. I am actually kind of average height. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to point out. It's weird. Yeah. yeah weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Well, sorry. Uh, right. So. Yes. That was drama. Great. And then I was like, oh, I should write all the plays. That was great. I did a yep. bit of improv as well, mm-hmm. but the improv I did was what you would expect of improv, like relatively short form, yeah, relatively sort of comic mm-hmm. focused. Um, and it didn't give me quite the same like storytelling buzz. No. Um, but useful skills because I've recently done an improv course and I'm like, oh, all of this is so relevant for, especially for performing. Mm-hmm. RPG, not just yes. Um, Improv is something I've been wanting to do more of. It, yeah, I so I yeah. did this course. It was so, it was so enlightening. A lot of the the, the just sort of rules for a good scene. I was like, oh mm. yes, <laughs> we should. One of the most interesting one, <laughs> which I thought was something that like probably make most sort of like D and D groups groan. Um, huh? Was our teacher um, always said, "Am I allowed to mildly swear on your?" Oh yeah, of course, please. Um, Our teacher always said, "Shit or get off the pot." Um, By which she meant, "Don't talk about it. Just do it. Stop talking about it. You either do it or you don't do it. You do not stand there having a scene discussing what you're about to do." And I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, uh yes, (laughs) I completely agree." But also. (laughs) From a role play perspective, I get why we have an impulse to do that because it's not like improv 
comedy where you live and die by how funny the thing is, how active and entertained you keep the audience. In D&D and actual play and role-playing games, you live and die by whether or not you put your character into dangerous situations. So I think, I think like, tactical discussions of what we should do, um, mm. uh, yeah, is, is usually where that kind of thing comes up. But I, I'm maybe I might slightly disagree in that I think that's fair. You might not live or die, but I think I have had to shift my thinking a lot mm. from the home game. Everything I'm like, whatever I do is I'm doing it because it's what my character would do, um, mm-hmm. and it's kind of true to that realism. I've shifted to a lot more of a I do want to entertain the audience, and if someone is committing several hours of watching us play. Mm. Um, it's got to be slightly different, and it's and I, I well, I would like it to be. It doesn't have to be. I would like it to be faster paced and a little bit more getting to the point, a little bit more concise. Yes, than than I would otherwise than in my home games. I mean, I completely agree with you on that front. I just, I just get where people come from in needing feeling like they need to plan and over plan and keep discussing yeah. of like what if Cause it's like, you don't want to do it wrong you don't want to be like the gems exactly. like, what did you do that for you fools yeah. <laughs> fell into my plot uh. <laughs> no absolutely you're right i failed to answer the first question i'm sorry this is not going well as an Oh yeah, how did you get it? Then you did. Then you did drama, and then sorry. <laughs> then I discovered D&D, and I was like, "This is what's missing from my life." And then I got really uh-huh. addicted. And now I play play TTRPGs too much, and my partner's <laughs> like, "Are you okay? Do you not need an evening off?" And I'm like, "No, I'm about to play another game. It's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine." I know that. I know that feeling. The thing is, I feel. I feel like I could relate so heavily to what you're saying. <laughs> I feel I feel a kinship in that way. That it's like, are you okay? You seem to be playing a lot yeah. of this game. <laughs> is yeah. is it D and D that brought you in? Yeah, 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 for nice. sure. Um, it, and it is to be honest. Um, after that initial, um, the sort of very first late night drunken game I played, which did sort of lead mm. into a cart- uh, cartoon campaign. The thing that did bring me in properly was mm. watching um, campaign one of Critical Role. Excellent. After, yep. it, after it already started, but, but mm-hmm. before it had finished. So. Oh, wow. You got in early. Is that a- yeah, maybe it is early, actually. So it was Considering they're long, like getting in before campaign one finished feels early. <laughs> Does it? It, it was for me. An alarming I, I, I'm not huge ago. into Critical Role. I, li- I like some it of their was, bits, but, but it yeah. was six, like six and a half years ago, actually. So like a long it, time. Yeah, it feels relatively recent, but it's not quite, uh, yeah, when I say I'm sort of a newbie, I'm not like sort of one of the sort of pandemic uh, newbies, which I think has yes. been, you know, also bringing loads of new people into the hobby as, as something that can be done remotely. Mm. Um, but yeah, so Critical Role um, really, really had a big impact because mm. um, it, first off, it fed my obsession between the, you know, once every two to four weeks games that we organized right first campaign oh when should we play okay great and i was like what do i do now i'm gonna watch good hours and hours of critical role right now like you watch the first episode of, of campaign one and you're like what is this what is happening what what mine comment cards percy and keyleth are making comment cards who are these people and what's a comment card and why are they making them? what's going on however five episodes later Mm. I'm obsessed. Or or what? <laughs> Twelve hours of your life <laughs> yeah, later. I know. It is when I put it like that. A long time. 
But um, yeah, I'm just like, I'm entirely 100% invested in whatever the heck's going on here with Clarota and carpets and like sort of a weird pyramid. Absolutely obsessed. And it, it showed me also then how to play better. Mm. As well, what are, what are, what are the possibilities? Obviously, that's only one possibility. That's one yeah, demonstration. Yeah. But being able to see another example, other than you, you know you and your mates sort of making something up, it had a huge impact on realizing the potential. So then, how did you make the jump from player to dungeon master? Ooh, when did I first DM? So I think just the usual situation whereby I wanted more, so I had to create <laughs> it myself. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I did. And I was like, right. <laughs> and also I wanted to introduce it to more people. Yes. So I was like, you, you, we have to, I'm, I'm running a one shot for you. Almost entirely. I, I almost exclusively run one shots. Um, oh, yeah. I find fair. it much, much easier. Um, and I love like getting random people in and getting new people in and introducing people to the concept. Um, that's, yeah, that's why I started. And like, similarly now I don't DM a lot and I don't DM uh like campaigns on stream but i love the sort of freedom and like low responsibility of one shot did you feel like there was like a big um like a big learning curve from just being a player to being a dm or did you just walk straight into it and was like nah i know i know this shit don't know yeah i just did it and it was so uh long ago now it's kind of funny actually because i did i i i ran a campaign early on mm. um that didn't finish predictably oh, when do they um, yeah and i sort of realized that like they're never gonna never gonna get to haldor's valley and they've been talking about it since episode one and never gonna, gonna happen like um you know the pacing was all off and there wasn't enough clues there wasn't enough plot happening anyway i just did it i just freaking did it and i've always That's written amazing, stories and, and i was all i cared about were the, was the plot and i was like what's the story what's the reveals i love reveals. yes reveals <laughs> but I think that's I think that's probably one of the better ways to go about DMing because I feel like I came at it for the first first time as an over preparer. Yeah, I had every contingency planned. I put them in a in a bottle in like a ship in a bottle scenario, and I had every inch like literally. Like, no, it was they, they were in a they were in a hotel that was locked. Like they couldn't get out, and if they tried to leave. I had contingencies for like where they could go and what would happen yeah, yeah. and what were the, you know, that's if valid. They, that's like not it's let, totally. Like, I'm railroading is so valid, or in this case, bottling. Mm. Like I'm very pro that. But it was, but it was over, over preparing. No. Like the thing no. is, hey, nobody got is, for that. Uh, that game didn't even actually end up happening because it was like oh. straight before it was like. Feb 2020 that I had finished prepping <gasps> and I sent out, I sent, it was going to be a big first thing. I sent out physical invitations and was like oh, with wow. their character sheets and everything. And I was like, if you bring this, if you bring this invitation, you get a free inspiration point and you can re-roll. And then we were all getting towards the pandemic. The pandemic started hitting. We were like, oh, we can't do this now, can we? And we just haven't gone back to it. You could still do it. You could. I could absolutely oh still do it. And I will do, I will run it one day. Also, if any just... of those original people do still have their physical paper uh, paper invitation, imagine the inspiration that they would get. For oh that. my God. Like, like they that would have would earned be... it. 
They would have definitely <laughs> earned it. That's so good. No, the th- it, it's just we've only recently gotten to the point where like having games in person is starting to feel yeah. doable. Yeah, like yeah. like with, with the liminal that we were we, the recording, that was literally the first weekend we'd ever done. That was I think that might have been the first in-person proper in-person game with more than just one or two people yeah. that I'd done since the pandemic started. Wild. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Campaigns. Oh, I was going to say, I was just going to say that my current, I've recently started running a book campaign. I've been running Waterdeep Dragon Heist. And okay. At first, I was like, oh, I guess I'll just do it. Now, I've like seen loads of people DM. I've been GM by loads of people. Like now I'm like, this has to be perfect. This has to be, this has to be the best thing ever. I like, I'm paralyzed myself with just like, oh no, oh, no. Oh, I can't do it anymore. Oh God, it has to be better. Also, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Too many NPCs. Oh my God. <laughs> So many NPCs. And so I obviously have added more NPCs because every time they turn a corner, they meet someone. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a new NPC. This is Spebulok. (laughs) He's a goblin. And uh, you love him now. (laughs) So I find it quite stressful now, actually. I've done this to myself. It's entirely my own fault, but... Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's so, do you think DMing has gotten more stressful for you over yeah. time? Yeah. That's really interesting because I, I find the absolute opposite. <laughs> no, I think it's because it's a book, right? Now it's right, like okay. it's D and D. It's it's is it Faerun? No, which one is it? Eberron? No, the other one. Um, uh, the Sword Coast. One of them. Yes, the Sword Coast. Yeah. That that is the one. And it has to be right. And now I'm like, it has to be right. Yeah. What, what does the book say? What does what does the law say on the internet? Now I can't just be like, oh yeah, that's that's was King Steve who ruled. Don't you remember that law about King Steve? And, oh wow, he's so smart. You know all the law, and I'm like, yeah, no. yeah. No, I, that's actually why I think I've never felt confident running a book campaign, running yeah. a, a pre-generated campaign, because I'm like, but what if I break it, it down the I line? Know, right? Yeah. What if I say something? And and like just in the minute, they're like, how many how many how many coins does he have in his pocket? And I'm like, I don't know, four. Yeah. And then down later in the book, he has to have had six coins in his yeah. pocket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I do do that also just with my own stories, though. Like I'll just throw something in and then I'll realize, oh, that's actually majorly significant. So like I mentioned something the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, this this character sort of has the, this this kind of abilities and they kept asking questions about it and they were like seemed really interested and I was like oh no one's supposed to be able to do that in this plane oh that doesn't exist here oh no oh god um I guess this is a plot point for later so now I have to somehow 
like bring that whole thing in and like write a whole story around it, which I can do. I'm you fl- can do but it. But like I will need, like we're on, so Waterdeep Dragon Eyes, basically we're about to start chapter three and we've also already, we're already on episode like 28. Wow. Like we really should have gotten there a lot, but chat, like that's a lot. Yeah, it's too. No, yeah, it's bad. It's we should have. And you it. said there's something about how you only run one shots. Um, apart from that, this one. Apart yeah, this from is that the one. one campaign, which just goes on and on because I keep throwing new plot at them and they keep having amazing conversations and ideas and they're doing their own thing and it's having great and I'm like, oh, we should really carry on with the book plot, but um. But I'm yes, having a great time here. You do here. go and often do this, you know, character relevant thing. We'll have a whole like several episodes on that. Great. We're all having a good time, though, which is the important. Well, thing. that's the important that's, thing. Yeah. Is it? Is it recorded or is it? <laughs> no, no, that's my no. Game. Yeah, no. It's so like 28 episodes, and we haven't like gotten to the like main oh plot point of Waterdeep Dragon Heist yet. Like, so, I couldn't handle the pressure of people like waiting. Um, excuse uh, yeah. me. I was promised that there needed to be a dragon for the heist. I know, right? Uh, and I'm uh, 20 plus episodes in. Uh, Shamini, oh, excuse me. So, yeah. Hello. Yeah. Difference between a home game and a stream game. That's actually, that's actually one of the questions that Is I had it? written down. How do you feel about like, ho- like, because you've done all of them. You've done pre-recorded, you've done live and home. Yeah. So... What do you feel like are the key differences between them? Do you see differences between them? How do you react differently to the different scenarios? I'm for um, compared to home games when it is for an audience. I'm I'm definitely shifting my preference more into making it more performative. I think mm-hmm. um, when I first started playing, I took a lot of satisfaction from sort of you know, like dropping hints that only I knew what they meant or maybe me and the dungeon master and like, you know, building my character with only me knowing what was going on in their head. And then I kind of realized like, well, no, if no one else gets it, that's kind of, (laughs) I want want the other, at least the other players. And then now I'm like, oh, the audience should probably get it too. Yeah. My my hints should should be less subtle. And that's fine. And like, just commit to, I have a terrible tendency to have like, you know, like uh, you know, like edgy characters with like a dark secret, and then that yes. dark secret takes you know like fifty episodes to maybe slightly be revealed. And I know in my heart of hearts, and I'm trying to teach myself and convince myself that it would be much better to have that out quite early, and then to maybe have some new character development, and, just, and then maybe something else will come of that, and maybe your character will change and grow, and you can see where it goes from there instead of hoarding your one like little like backstory. <laughs> that's, so, really that's what yeah. I'm trying to work on. It's interesting because I am also guilty of that in home games. And I feel like doing Realms of Peril and Glory has been really good for me because do- doing exactly that of like cutting to the chase. Like mm. this is for an audience. They need to know what's going on. <laughs> they need to have some clue of this. And also, I don't want to produce 50 episodes of a campaign. There are so many other people running long-form campaigns mm-hmm. that are frankly doing it better than I ever could. What I came to do is produce like content that was like between like three and like 20 episodes yeah. and no longer than like two hours you know, at a push. And you've got so, like, a satisfying story and you've got the ability to have higher production values 
Yes, exactly. When you you put that limitation on it of like you mm-hmm. don't have yeah. 50 episodes mm-hmm. to go. Yeah. You're hurtling to yeah. I remember yeah. in our first campaign fail, you were hurting I was hurtling towards the finale and I was yeah. like shit, I'm 12 episodes in. Yeah. Yeah. I only wanted this to run 12 episodes. And I got to pick up the pace. <laughs> that, I had the same experience when I started doing short form things. And I was like, yeah, I want to tell the story. And if I hoard everything, I'm not going to get to do it. And so yeah. I just like pushed my own art forward. And I was like, this is what yes. my character's doing. This is how their relationship with this one is changing. This is what they're like saying to this one. And, and, like, yes. and it was really great. And I, I think in long form campaigns, I still got this tendency to like hold back. For fear of running out of stuff, I think is what it is. I'm afraid that if I let my character do the one idea I have or or change in one way, I won't be able to think of anything else. And it's that's not true. But to be fair, there are a lot of campaigns that run for a long, long time. I mean, you know, one example that you brought up, Critical Role, runs for how many episodes? It's like up into the hundred mark by the time they finish a campaign. And people love it. And they're long and they take their time. You know, so there's nothing wrong with it. That is one way of doing it. Absolutely, yeah. But it's not everyone's cup of tea and it might not be what you want to achieve. I think that's what I, yeah, I guess that's kind of what I mean is that like, that is what um, I want from my home games, Critical Role, mm. and I do, and I do love Critical Role for that. Um, but when I'm doing like streaming and actual plays, I'm pushing more towards. Um, so I saw Fantasy High by from Dimension oh, Twenty for the first time yeah. um, in the last few months. I have not yet watched the rest of their stuff. Oh, I'm so behind. <laughs> I filled up my life with too much gaming. Yep, that's time fair. For watching. Um, and I was like, oh gosh, a completely way- different way of doing things. Like, yeah. this is very carefully structured and controlled and plotted out in advance and fits in each thing. And everyone's yes. everyone, you know, boom, here's what my character's like. And like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, amazing. And like, so that that's something I'm like, yeah, I want to yeah. kind of shift to more perf- like formative, more like for the Narrative. audience. Yeah, I don't know. It's sort of, yeah, it's like less focus on on the sort of, individual the realism of the individual experience and more focus on getting more story across yeah that's left feels a bit less for me personally in my taste i i'm a huge fan of dimension 20 i mean anyone who has seen dimension 20 and listens to realms of peril and glory you know it's no secret that that is a huge inspiration for what i want to achieve with the show i love their way of telling stories with actual play so it has been an influence for me on my GMing style and all that, but I'm I'm not overly bothered with uh, realism in my storytelling. I'm happy to bend the rules of reality to make yeah. things make the story feel better. Better, yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I sort of come back to railroading a bit. Like I'm, I mm. quite like railroading because the GM yeah. you know is in control, and and also even to the kind of GM's word is final type rules or like rule of fun, like. It doesn't have to be no. depending on what the players at the table want and what everyone's happy with. It doesn't have to be the like hundred percent like what the die says. If if some if if everyone wants something to happen, it should happen. It should happen. It should happen. Absolutely. There are those moments, aren't there, where like you can tell, and these are these are the best moments. You can tell everyone at the table is just so on the edge of their seat because they want something to happen. And the, if the dice roll that way and they roll well, 
it's just so euphoric, isn't it? But if like, you let it, if you leave it to the dice, it does feel earned, and that's that's the, that's that's the, the problem. You can't just go like, yeah, let's have that happen. Like you have to. Well, because that's what separates it from like what you said of like imagining stories as a kid and mm. it being a game mm. and being a more adult thing is like mm. if you were just a kid, you'd be like, and I stab my sword into the villain and he's yeah. dead. But if you actually, if there's actual chance in it and you feel like you earned it, it's just so much more. Yeah powerful for me anyways the thing that that reminded me of is the other thing i've been doing recently is um we've done a couple of live shows where the audience has to throw in suggestions Um, we've been streaming them as well with interacting with twitch chat you mentioned you know the difference between sort of live and pre-recorded yes we have been doing some where twitch chat give me suggestions um and that is absolutely great as a as a gm for for someone like making a better suggestion and being like yes I like it, and therefore that is now happening. Like at the, at the Natural History Museum gig we did, I was like, "You hear, you hear a rumble coming towards you in in the canyons." And, and someone, I might, I might be misremembering what it was, but I, I think this was there. Someone was like, "Oh my god, are they getting Lion King or something?" And I was like, "You are now. Yes, <laughs> hell yeah. yes, you are now. Yeah." yeah. <laughs> It was gonna. Oh, yeah. It was gonna be. I think it's gonna be water. I think it was gonna be like a flood of water kind of situation. Uh, I was like, no, no, will the beast? Will the beast, will the beast are coming <laughs> for you? Run. That was good. That's so good. Well, you, I'm gonna. I'm gonna slightly Sorry, pivot off I what keep, you just said. Yeah, no, no, no. New things. No. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna roll off that segue, and we're gonna talk about you are as well as being a, a true nerd are a science communicator. So an even truer nerd, one could say. That's my whole job. That's a good job as well. Can recommend. You found a really good way of incorporating that into the actual play space. And I was wondering if you could just talk about, first of all, why you wanted to marry those two things together and how you've gone about doing it. I I probably do have to give more credit to Mr. Ali Jennings one of my fellow RP geeks, for that is indeed the name of our <laughs> host of Science Communicators who play D&D and talk about science. He, he was like so into the idea and so driving it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he really like, so we, I, again, I run one shots for random people and it sometimes really pays off because I was running them for work people and Ali was like, Yes. What is this? Yes. I've <laughs> never played D&D or anything before. Um, he was so into it. I think mainly because it allows him to be a proper, like, chaos gremlin. Like, Ooh, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. like, betraying everyone or, like, running off. Or, like, not. <laughs> just, yeah. It's like, no, Ali, come on. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, I'm pretty sure it was his idea uh, to start off with. And he's like, can we, can we do D&D and talk about science? I can't remember what the initial pitch was, but what it what it's ended up as now, um, which I really like this um, the RP Geek sort of main campaign that we do is okay. Let's play D and D, reskin to sci fi, okay. so that everything that happens in the D and D world we have to be able to explain with science. So you're like, oh, I'm I'm casting magic missile or shield, or whatever. But like both in the world because it's kind of sci fi, you have to explain it, and then you have to like actually be able to be like, yeah, but. So can you give me an example of how you might explain, like, for example, shield or magic missile? I'm trying to think of like if there's any good ones 
that we've had. So the thing that I think is quite nice about it is we've tried not to focus too much on sort of like, I think actually Shield and Magic Missile are probably like the worst. I was going to say, those are two pretty, like, yeah. Oh, you power them with your space gun or like, oh, you bring up your force field. What we would do in those situations, if we were doing like, if it was a technology based character, we would go and do some research and be like, yeah, but can, what's a for- are force fields real? Can they, have we invented force fields Could yet? Could they exist? That, yeah. How does that work? Like, what is the best way to design a force field? You know, is it some kind of a light? Is it like some sort of sound based force? I don't actually know the answer. This is very interesting. No, I, I'm kind of waiting to hear. Go into Tell that. me how you're going to invent the force field, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, usually I would have done a little bit of research before <laughs> launching into my explanation. But then you have to, basically you have to go away and then you have to like pitch your idea to everyone else and be like, right, here's why my ability, whatever, my spell, my feat, whatever, is scientifically plausible. Here's, like, <laughs> here it is. Or something that happens in the show, which can be really random and, and can kind of work with any D&D game in a way, because at one point we went into a huge deep mine and then we got like a, a message on our little um, basically sending stone. It's a sending stone. Sure. It's even stone shaped, but ooh, it's technological. We don't know how that one works yet because it's the DMs thing. But we got this message and we were like, how did that message get through that much rock? And then we went and um, I think Simon went and researched how people in real minds communicate at great mm. depths. And they have huge, great structures that could sort of like blast a, a sound wave. Radio I think. signal. I'm not, yeah, yeah. Must, yeah, yeah. I presume. I, I, I'm, I'm not the science communicator, so don't I can't take now. my word as right on that. Yes, it must be radio because it's long wavelength, right? That's why it has to be really big. So it pops on top of the mine and it goes down. Mm. So like things that come up, things that we want to be able to do. We go like, oh, let's let's science the shit out of it, yeah! <laughs> and then we just have a great time nerding out and just talking about the science. And then we carry on the, and then you know, then we have the science D and debrief section. We call it where we debrief D and D. We're very proud of that name. Um, and then we go back to the, <laughs> then we go back to the the sort of campaign, and that's that's our weekly weekly campaign stream, basically. That sounds, it's, it, I just love that because it feels so unique. I feel like no one, everyone talks about like how realistic or not realistic yeah, D&D things are. picking on, like, I, I feel like people are really into being like, oh, that couldn't really happen. Like, Ooh. at least with sci-fi, maybe less so with fantasy. We're like, obviously that couldn't really happen because, you know, you're. We haven't invented a warp drive yet. Okay. Not yet. Well, You've no. kind of chosen to do the most nitpicky possible thing yeah, yeah. in the most nitpicky possible yeah. genre. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. How's that yes, going for you? you. <laughs> We're very popular. Um, <laughs> we have many friends. <laughs> but no, this is the this is the time of the nerds, you know? The geeks are rising up and <laughs> and embracing passion and enthusiasm. Even sort of narrow. Not everyone Amazing. has to love it, but um, no. I love that we all do genuinely love it and, and that kind of like yeah. nerdy aspect of it. Um, and yeah, I hope that people enjoy that. Um, and I think actually, to be honest, I hope that they enjoy the fact that we're having a good time and that kind of like relationship between us and you know the the banter. That, you the having a good time. Worked. You having a good time on an actual play show, I feel, is the most important thing. Yeah. That's the number one thing. Like, the rules don't really matter that much. The story doesn't even really matter that much. It does to an extent. Like, it yeah. does. But yeah. if if the rules are perfect, 
and the story's on point, but you can tell everyone at the table's having a terrible time. Yeah. It's not it's not fun. You don't want to listen to it. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's also interesting that I think it can be quite difficult. Um, I love guesting on things, actually, but I mm. actually prefer guesting on things where the existing cast know each other. Interesting. Because I think coming into a, coming into a group with all people who don't know each other, you need the warm-up time to develop oh, yeah. the relationship and to learn to trust each other. Um, so it takes a lot longer to to get into it, and the reason I one of the reasons I love our campaign is because we all know know each other really well, know what people are going to do. We have a kind of jokes and, and things like that. And when I'm guesting on something where everyone already knows each other, they've yeah, already yeah. got that covered, and I can come in and like disrupt. Essentially. <laughs> But what if I was here that, and I was a little gremlin? I did not come in and say blur. I'll be a little gremlin on the upcoming episodes of Liminal that you should watch. Yeah, it was yeah. Much well, than I, no, you didn't say blur, though you blur. could have. Blur. I don't remember. Maybe I did. No, you definitely didn't say blur. I would have been too on the blur. nose for for yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> Um, so just to piggyback off of the science communicator stuff, uh, I hear you have also designed a game. Did you know that? Yes. Do you know that like writing a 2T RPG is really hard? Yeah, yeah, I did actually. Oh I my have God. I've got like two Why or three unfinished games on my <laughs> I basically I was writing one that I was so excited about. That I'll get back to it at some point. And then I reached the point where I was like Oh, I need combat mechanics. Oh, no, no. Fuck. No one needs combat mechanics. <laughs> no, I did, though. I'll no. tell you why afterwards, but it did need combat mechanics, mechanics. Mechanics is my approach to most of the one-shots I run, actually. Very much leaning heavily on the sh mechanics part of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, one of my favorite non-D&D games is Honey Heist on the basis. Oh, it's amazing. That yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. like, Rules, schmools, honey. <laughs> like I don't know, just random stuff happens, and like you roll occasionally. It's fine. No one cares about the about the stats and everything. Um, so <laughs> a, lot, a lot of mine, my games are uh, done in a similar similar yeah. vein. Um, and usually, I just make something up where I'm just like, oh, okay, you have you have five stats that are like the basic like D and D main stats, and yeah, you can also have some ten health, and I'll just make up how much it hit. Whatever it doesn't matter. Okay, fine. There you go. Good. You got some stats. No one cares. Right. Roll. Roll. It's it, you know you roll and it's either good or bad. Like everyone knows it's fine. And you can be good at something yeah. and bad at something. I do want. I do like having. Um. So I feel like often in, often in D and D, uh, a lot of like a lot of characters are quite good at a lot of things, mm -hmm. and not really terrible at things. And I'm I I love having very extreme stat ranges. I love having that one thing. Like, if you think about superhero stories, yes. the whole point of the superhero is, yes, you have the, the super strength, but you also have the kryptonite. Like, you need That's those true. two extremes. Otherwise, you're just... Otherwise, well, I guess otherwise it's, like, realistic tactics, combat simulator, which also is also good. <laughs> I had a train of thought here somewhere. Hey, I wrote, an, I wrote a TV You wrote TV. a game, I think, was the uh, the destination. Thanks. Yeah, right, good. Um... It has. Does it have some stats? I can't remember I now. I don't know. I don't think it does, actually. Shit, I forgot to put stats in my... Oh, no, no. Yeah, no, it doesn't. There are no stats. You didn't put stats I in your game. I didn't put stats. Okay. Yeah, you just roll and it's either good or bad. And, like, you take you take goodness or badness. No, right. I should explain this game what, better. What are you... Making it sound terrible. Start at the very <laughs> beginning. 
what is the game and what is it about? Thank you for asking, Zach. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you brought it up because <laughs> I've actually written a new game called New Jeans, Please, um, which I developed in conjunction with the RP Geeks and uh, also Khalil at the Natural History Museum, who is an awesome science D&D nerd. And uh, he was running the Natural History Museum Lates event. Um, Love those. Uh, a little while ago, earlier this year, and uh, invited us to put on a show in basically an hour slot, which was the first thing that made me go, "Oh God, I need to, I need to come up with something that can work in an hour." Yeah, you can. That you. <laughs> you can shotgun. Yeah, was my, was my thought. We kind of workshop very idea, various ideas, and the other thing that I really wanted. Um, and is my favourite thing about this is, as I was mentioning, the interactive elements ah, is, is, is brilliant. So the way that it worked in this particular game, so the rules of the game are, um, feel free to, to, like, it's so basic, you can just nick this and run it. Like, there's not mu that much more to Great. it. Right, I'm making is, notes. Right. Look, look forward to yeah. new DNA, Zach, <laughs> coming tomorrow. You have to plead with Zach. For yeah. The new DNA. Yeah. Please, I just sorry. Tell me about your game. Right, right, yeah. New genes, please. Oh, it's genetics. Oh, it's a pun on genes. Oh, what happens is here's the rule: you're a little cute little little um, creature um, living in a particular kind of world, and then uh, someone comes along and gives you a mission. Um, so oh, you got to go on this this quest for me. <laughs> this is gonna has to fit in an hour, okay? Like they give you the quest, <laughs> you agree to the quest. There's no, you don't have a choice here. You will go on the quest. Thank you. And they, they're going to help you out with your quest by providing, if you, need, if you like, new genes. So at any mm -hmm. point you come across something that you're trying to do, you can roll a, a d6. Mm -hmm. um, if you get a high number, you do the thing. If you get a low number, you fail at doing the thing. Okay. But if you say, new genes, please, your mysterious quest giver slash friend slash whatever it is will imbue you with the genetics of a particular creature. Um, and the way we do this in live games is that we ask the audience to suggest Oof. what that creature is. And if you uh, get new genes and they're a helpful animal that will help you with the task you're trying to achieve, you know, oh, I'm trying to climb, oh, some monkey genes will be helpful here, then you automatically succeed and you sort of like go on to the next chapter. Incredible. And the other, my other favourite thing about this is... Um, the, the sort of optional bonus uh, way of playing it, which works well when you've kind of got an in-person live audience, is halfway through the game-ish, something goes wrong with the new genes mechanism, which makes it a little bit faulty. So you ask the audience member for a suggestion, and they say, like, oh, well, did you know that squid have chromatophores that can change colour, so that will help you camouflage. And you go, oh, you're a nerd, but thank Learning. you. Learning. Yeah. <laughs> they're not, I mean, they're <laughs> teaching. Like, I love it. They, they lo like, the audience are just there going, like, I've got fat, I've got animal, I know about animals. I've got animal yes, facts. Yes. And then what you do is you say, oh, okay, but, oh, it's on the blink. The new jeans machine is on the blink. I'm going to need you to roll. This giant inflatable D6. I've seen this. I've seen so this. Good. So good. And, and like, Where did you find it? <laughs> online somewhere. We just bought an inflatable dice. Fair. And it's gold. And I'm like, oh, yeah, why, have, why are there not more giant inflatable dice in the world? Because it's so good. And my favorite moment at the Natural History Museum, like it, it went, it went so well, and we were like, they were like queuing up outside, and then like they had to turn people away because they didn't fit in the room. 
Oh my God. Uh, that seemed cool. I like this, but also sad. We had the whole room and someone had made a suggestion. They rolled it and they got a, you know, a six at a key moment. And just this entire room just like erupted in just like cheers. Oh, that's so good. And I was like, I don't think I'd be surprised if, you know, many of these people have played TTRPGs before because this is yeah. not a gaming event, really. No, no, no. Um, but and that's now so they cool. know the joy. Now they get it. Oh, that's so cool, though, to introduce that in a live setting. So what is the... So what actually happens if you get the wrong genes? Because what I've been told is by the end, you end up as some form of weird eldritch yeah, monstrosity. because the problem is that each time you get new genes, you don't turn into that animal. You just get no. like, combos of like different elements of them that are useful. So you might like suddenly get tentacles, and then you might gain wings and and like... You know, when you're when you're just rolling to succeed or fail, it obviously somewhat depends on what you've got already. And like, you know, yeah. uh, if if someone rolls like a, a one when trying to give you, you know, the wings of an eagle, you know, you might end up with the leg of a slug and like just be like, oh, oh this also happened in the game, just like oozing along, like help me, <laughs> oh, God. Um, mid combat as well, you know, just like no, oh, that's I'm a slug. unhelpful. <laughs> can't can't run, can't hit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's great though. So at the end, yeah, Eldritch, Eldritch Horror. Oh, well, I can't, I can't give away the end because then the endings are all sort of like, it depends on the story and like, Okay. there's always a reveal, it has to be a reveal. So I'm writing love it a reveal. Up. Yeah, I'm writing it up with some story suggestions in there so that anyone okay. can pick this up and play it. You could play it on a stream with Twitch interacting. You could play it in a classroom setting um, with like a few people as players and the rest of the people as the sort of the otherworldly beings who are or like scientists who are giving you the new genes, whatever their characters are. And at the end, everyone in the sort of audience has to make a sort of final choice uh, to decide the fate of the, the cute little player characters. Well, previously cute, now probably <laughs> hideously terrifying. I would love to play this game at some point. At some point soon, I would very Ooh. much like to play this game. Ooh, maybe I should run it for you. Maybe I, should. I haven't I run it on stream it. yet, actually. On, on my to-do I will, list. I will come on stream. Mm -hmm. I will come on stream. Well... I think that's that kind of exhausts my questions. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about slash plug? I just want to say that I hope everyone's having a really nice time playing TTRPGs and I hope people have the opportunities to play um, to stay stay super nice and safe while playing and like have a look into safety tools and how all these things mm -hmm. work. Yep. To be really open to sort of like constant communicating and like, checking in with people as to things that are working and things that are not working. Um, if you if you have time in your life to watch shows, then obviously I'd love I'd love people to come and watch some RP Geeks. Yes. Um, we've got the whole like campaign situation. We've also got a lot of one shots so you can just drop in and some of them are interactive. So then you can make suggestions in chat and affect the, the, the plot, which is quite fun as well. Um, so that's that's at RP Geeks D D, D, and D all over the place. Oh, we do TikTok as well, which is also really fun because our TikTok clips are just like often just like little science clips of just like a fun science fact from the show, um, which is already get, always really good because it's just like, did you know? And then you just get a, a, a fun science That's fact. That's really good. Um, which is really nice. So yeah, yeah. Check, check that out if you like that. And obviously check out <gasps> oh, the upcoming Liminal series, which is going to be so good. Yes, so that's going to wrap things up, guys. Please do go check out RP Geeks. Check out everything Shamini has to offer because it will all be excellent. <laughs> uh, and you can also uh, 
find where where can people find you on Twitter on on anywhere else okay, where so where can personal, they go and support you? My personal Twitter is at s bundell. Um, so go there. I don't know what it is, and I don't I don't post on there enough. So just follow me on Twitter. Just get a Twitter. Twitter's Twitter. great. Well, it's Twitter great. Twitter's great don't for now. Scroll. Um, Twitter's happy okay. Twitter only. Oh no. Twitter in moderation, uh, guys. Yes, <laughs> everything in moderation. That's the key. That's the key. You can follow me on Twitter at ZachFG. That's Z-A-C-K-F-G. Um, and the show is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Realms Pod. That's R E A L M S P O D. If you've come over for, to the, from this, uh, if you've come over to this interview via Shamanese outlets, uh, cool. you will oh really. It would be cool. You, I think, will probably really like uh, the show. We have a lot of really great actual plays mm. on the podcast feed on the YouTube channel. Uh, so please go check them out. They're a lot of fun. Um, you can support us on Patreon where you get bonus shows, extra games, uh, ad-free listening, uh, all this all this extra stuff at uh, patreon.com slash light and tragic. Um, and I think that's all I've got to say. So, um, yeah, thanks so much, guys. And we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.